Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's The Northern Trust out of Liberty National. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what's up? It's playoff time, and I can't can't wait for uh, Jacob to cue Jim Morris Sr. I just can't wait. Playoffs? There it is. It is playoffs time. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, this is the first leg of the aforementioned playoffs, and uh, we are going from 124 golfers to 70 this week. Yeah, um, big cutoff. It's an exciting event. I I think it's a really cool – the the Northern Trust is one of the coolest because you get so – I mean, anybody on the PGA Tour is playing. So it looks a lot like a major championship when you're looking at this – um, when you're looking at this um, DFS pool. So it's really cool. Liberty is a really cool spot. You're going to see some, um, I'm sure you saw it in 2019, but you're going to see some stunning views. Um, and I actually have Rick right in front of me, uh, a Liberty national yardage book. And I'll show it's, you because it's pretty, yeah, if it's, you're very beautiful. YouTube, yeah. it's right there. It's just black. This was given to me. And I also have, although I may have dropped, Oh no, it's in here. I have the scorecard. We might have lost him right on that moment. It was too, it was too big for YouTube. That moment was too special <laughs> that we actually lost him. Greg does have a yardage book and a scorecard, and they're very, very beautiful, and we will get him back as soon as possible. See, it is indeed true that this is basically a major championship field. 124 golfers. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen is the only qualified golfer who is not teeing it up this week and he will not be replaced because this is the playoffs it's a qualification system so he's not he's not going to be replaced we will move forward with 124 golfers and as long as no one else withdraws as long as no one else wds this will be the strongest non-major championship non-players championship in the official world golf rankings history how about that yeah, and when you go down the list, it becomes really evident that that's the case. I mean, yeah, you can start at the top. A lot of times we have the cream at the top like it is here, but then you go, if we're talking DFS, you know, you go into that 9,000 range and you see the names there. So, I mean, this is absolutely a loaded field. In fact, I think the best evidence as to how loaded this field is is when you go to the 6 and 7K range. Yes. These are household <laughs> names that have won this year, uh, and in some cases – two two times and these are guys that can probably compete really well here as well in the six and seven k range and you know here they are you know your jason kokraks of the world your stewart sinks who have been competing um that there's that's probably two of the bad examples frankly because there's plenty more where that came from stars and scrubs certainly in play this week because the scrubs are really really good golfers greg your your yardage book and your scorecard were so amazing that it kicked you off the internet or something happened show us show us again 
they yeah, had to sorry they had to scrub it from the internet because it was, <laughs> it was just too so hot. groundbreaking <laughs> do we dare try again yes this is yeah there it is they're that's very cool all, yeah that's the scorecard and this is the yardage guide right i there. love that so i love the match. logo yeah very uh sleek it's a sweet logo and then some of the the vistas you get and um the statue of liberty when i watch um golf here it looks like it's on the property i mean it really it, it's so it, it looks so big it's such an imposing figure um and, and that's why they have that logo and i think it's one of the better logos in the game um i think it's just so cool so i always love when the pga tour comes to liberty national i love it and uh the last time we were at liberty national was 2019 patrick reed won that event i'm going to share my screen here because i've got the course i've got the course stats up here and i'll run you through everything on my site it's rickrungood.com see ya liberty national to par 71 we are back on bent grass remember we have not played here since 2019 that was the patrick reed victory so if you're trying to use kind of anything from last year that was tpc boston so understand what course we're playing at and then kind of uh some of the different features of Liberty national that are going to come into play this week. Yeah. And you know, if you're looking at course history, you're probably looking at the wrong place because you're going to, you got different courses here. So that, that's one thing I, I can tell you that I think just as a general statement, I think the all around game is going to be really important here. I'm, I'm curious as to Rick, your thoughts and Greg's thought thoughts here, but you know, I think off the tee and approach uh, the longer irons on approach are definitely going to come into play. I think around the green game is really important um, to the extent you want to emphasize bent grass putting. That's going to be really important as well. Um, but that's pretty much what I'm looking for. I mean, we can go into some of the secondary metrics in terms of birdie or better gained and, um, you know, strokes gained par five, things of that nature. Uh, strokes gained par four, 450 to 500, I think is going to be important. But again, I'm looking for the all around game here. All right, Greg, when you see Liberty National, we haven't seen it since 2019. What do you see from from this course and what type of golfer uh, will find success at this event? Um, uh, so one thing, when you look at course history, again, as Sia mentioned, you never look at tournament history, course history is the way to go. Um, so looking back at 2019 at that leaderboard and Sia hit the nail on the head, it's an all around style. I do think ball striking is very important. So you got Patrick Reed who won Abraham answer came in second. You have Harold Varner, the third, um, John Rahm, Adam Scott, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Louis Oosthuizen. Brant Snedeker, um, and then rounding out the top 10 was Ian Poulter and Justin Rose. You think about those players back in 2019 and very good ball strikers, um, yet Patrick Reed's your winner. Um, you also have Ian Poulter in there. So some guys that can putt really well, some guys that can um, that can hit it really well. That's why it's such a great playoff venue because it, it doesn't favor just long hitters. In fact, there's a, a number of holes out there, looking through my yardage book, that um, – that limit your driving distance, right? They're split mm -hmm. fairways. It's not just um, a, a fair a wing foot. For instance, the fairway starts where it starts. It goes all the way right up to the green. Um, so you have an opportunity to run it up on most holes here at Liberty national. It's a different story uh, is you're limited in how far you can hit your tee shots on some holes. So I think that helps level the playing field as well. And it, it really makes it for anybody's game. So all around game guys who are in good form, and also guys who, in this one, I'm not sure how much to weigh, but I like guys who are fresh. They're, they're not overly tired, um, and, and I think that could help in this event as well. 
I've got some fresh guys for you. Let's jump into the cheat sheet here and pull up uh, the golfers over 10,000 and see other seven of them. Seven. I, I was trying to think back to a time where we've had this many golfers over $10,000, and it's certainly uh, a tribute to the strength of the field, but usually like six is the max. But no, no, no. Seven golfers over 10K. Here they are. John Rahm, 11,500. Dustin Johnson, your defending champion, TPC Boston, at 11,000. Jordan Spieth, 10.8. Our gold medalist, Xander Shoffley, 10,600. Colin Morikawa, 10,400. Then this group of 10K and above gets rounded out, see ya, by Brooks Kepka at 10,200 and Mr. Rory McElroy for an even 10,000. So this is really tough because it's seven elite golfers. And again, as you dip into the 9K range, you see, oh, maybe these guys could be 10K as well. So I think they had a hard time kind of figuring this range. And you're not really making an argument against a guy here. I think what you're forced to do is make an argument for a guy. Mm. So to the extent I don't mention somebody, it's not because I hate their game or I just don't think they're ready for this. No, no, no. That's exactly what it means. If Sia doesn't mention someone, tweet at him and say, why do you hate this person? (laughs) Yeah, you see um, the attorney in me just already (laughs) trying to hedge myself uh, for some hate. So, uh, you know, the the guys that really jump out at me here are probably John Rahm and Jordan Spieth. Those guys, I I think, are the guys I'm going to be playing the most. If if there was a third place, it would probably be Kepka. But I really like... First of all, we know Jordan Spieth has been, you know, better off the tee than he was, let's say, at the beginning of the year. He's improved there. Um, we we have a, a, an elite approach game. He can get hot with the putter. He has that sort of all-around game. And then if we're looking for scores in, in DraftKings points, I mean, he rates out really well, well there, too. So the things I'm looking for, you know, as in terms of, like, secondary stats, like what are your better gained, a strokes gained par five, a DraftKings scoring – I think he's number one in all three of those things, last 36 rounds. So I really like Jordan Spieth. He's been a little quiet lately. I really like him to creep up and maybe win this thing. Yeah, Spieth even losing strokes off the tee, losing strokes on approach, which which both are – he did that in Memphis. Both were very uncharacteristic, still finished T12. The two, the other thing I noticed about uh, both of the names, Spieth and Rom that Sia mentioned, Spieth's best surface, best putting surface – it's Bentgrass. Rom's best putting surface, it's Bentgrass. These guys are uh, elite on the surface. I guess Poa, too, for uh, for John Rom as well. He's elite in a couple of different categories. That's why he's the best player in the world. Greg, when you look at this 10K range, uh, I there is a guy that I love this week. I don't want to mention him yet. What do you see when you look at the 10K range? Um, I, I see... A lot of players that are great options. Um, it's very difficult to differentiate. I do think John Rahm is the best player in the world. Uh, he's playing great, and he belongs where he is. So it, if you if you want to pay up for John Rahm, I think you're going to get um, quality bang for your buck, as they say. I, I do think it's worth it. But that may depend on what happens down at the lower end. So one thing, when I look at this range, Who do you like in the 7, 6K range? What's your strategy down there? That can determine what you do up here. Because in this area, I love John Rahm. I'm fine with taking a chance on Dustin Johnson. I think he's trended in the right direction. Mm -hmm. He could win any week. I think he and Colin Morikawa... Um, well, I, I think he and Colin Morikawa could be flipped very easily and uh, in in their pricing. And it would be very fair. Um, But DJ, he's priced like that because he... He can win any week. We know that. So anyway, John, I, I, the top three I love. Xander Shoffley has been one of the most consistent players on the PGA Tour all year. 
Um, and I, I'm willing to give him a break in Memphis after winning the gold medal in Tokyo. I think that's just a lot of a, a lot of travel, um, especially an emotional um, high for him. Colin Morikawa. So basically, what I'm saying is, any of those top four guys, I'm very confident in playing because they're all very well rounded. They're all playing well, and I think they all have a real chance of winning this week. So I'm comfortable with any of those four. Colin Morikawa has been the second or third, probably the second best player realistically on the PGA tour this year. Um, but the big question is what is he going to do in the playoffs this year? Last year, last in 2019, in fact, he played here at, um, at Liberty came and tied 52nd. Is he going to figure out the golf course? Is it not a good fit for him? Was he just really young back then? Um, all that's in play. I, I so I, I don't know where the, where do you draw the line and decide who you're going to leave off? Cause you're going to leave everybody off, but one guy most likely. And it, it's really hard for me to differentiate in this group on this course. All right. We're going to have to figure this out. Let me throw a couple yeah. more names into the, into the, into the fold just to really mess everybody up here. Rory McElroy, the cheapest one of all of them, $10,000. There is a lot to love about Rory. He has been dynamite off the tee. Even more importantly, he has been dynamite on approach. He has now gained at least four strokes on approach in five of his last six measured events. He gained in the only one that he didn't gain more than four. He gained just about three. This is, uh, to me, the type of profile that is much more reminiscent of the early 2020 version right here of Rory McIlroy, where he basically wins the HSBC and then piles up all those top five finishes in a row. And then the tour shuts down this, the stat profile we're seeing from Rory right now is much more reminiscent of those days. And it's the first time that he has gotten back to it since the start of 2020. You also look at what he has done at Liberty national. So two years ago, he finished sixth at this event. I think you are getting an absolute steal on the guy who see a, I just might win this golf tournament. I don't have a problem with your argument at all. Uh, I mean, those those metrics really spoke to me, the ones that we had that you can enjoy if you're watching us on YouTube, of course. And I'm not really worried about the short game. There were some hiccups there lately. I, I'm not super worried about that. I, I think, you know, we've been talking about him a little bit. I think he's starting to find what the old Rory was. And I think this is what you just showed is really good evidence of that. The thing is, I mean, the only pushback I give you is, I mean, there's so much talent right above him. So it's kind of one sure. of those things where it's such a loaded field. I think we're really banking on Rory um, kind of being this guy that we haven't fully seen yet, whereas the guys above him, I, I can make arguments that we have fully seen it. We have fully seen John Rahm and Jordan Spieth. If those two guys, let's say, weren't in this tournament, and it, it, I would, I'd be super happy to play Rory McIlroy, but I just feel like while he's a good play, there's too many guys ahead of him that that I think I can count on just a little bit more. But is he ready to pop and can he win? Absolutely. Are we going to give too much credit, Greg, to Xander Shoffley's Olympic victory for the next three years? We did. We did. I heard this week someone referred to Justin Rose as the gold medalist, even after someone else has won gold. We are still talking about Rio. The win at the Olympics is awesome and it's great, but if you look at strength of field, it is not as impressive as winning the Sony Open this year. That that's the equivalent, basically. So it, it, it's it's great, but I, I think people might get carried away from that. Yeah. Um, but who knows what it could mean? I mean, thinking about it, Justin Rose won the gold in 2016. 
Um, he did win, well, he nearly won the Masters the very next year. So I don't know if there's anything there. Probably not. We know that Justin Rose in 2016 was a was a world beater, um, pun intended. And now he's he, he didn't make the playoffs. So look, here's the thing with Xander. Take the Olympics out. It, look at it like the Hero World Challenge for all mm-hmm. I care. I mean, because that's probably a legitimate comparison. Uh, maybe it means a little more. It'll be remembered in history. It's cool that he's called the gold medal and everything. But what does it mean for his performance? Well, uh, you look past that. You have a guy that came in 26th at the Open Championship, 10th at the Scottish Open before that, 7th at the U.S. Open, 11th at the Memorial. Um, the PGA championship didn't quite go his way. 14th at the Wells Fargo third at the masters. This guy is so steady. He is so consistent. Um, and he is so well-rounded. And if you're looking for a guy who doesn't have a hole in his game and his name is not John Rahm, Xander's your next best guy. He is a great putter. Now that he's decided he's a, this is the biggest thing that came from the Olympics to me is he's done away with arm lock putting. And I don't think he'll go back. I think he's learned that it's not an advantage for him. Um, And you're going to see Xander Shoffley make a lot of putts. So he's got a great putting stroke. He is a great driver of the golf ball, a great iron putt. He is so well-rounded. He just need, he he doesn't quite close the deal the way John Rahm does. And that's the difference between those two players. So um, yeah, I'm with you, Rick. I can throw away the Olympics and still have a great argument for Xander Shoffley this week. And just about any week we play on tour. Yeah. All right. I got to hold your feet to the fire here, Sia. So before we move on, there are seven golfers in the $10,000 range. I would prefer that you give me your top three in order and then we can move on. Well, that's, that's kind of easy for me. So I'm going to go Jordan Spieth. Yep. John Rahm. Okay. Brooks Kepka. Spieth, Rahm, Kepka for Sia. Greg. Uh, I will go Rahm. Then I'll go Spieth. And then I'll go Colin Morikawa. Okay, I'm I'm uh, I'm also considering salary here, so I'm going to go Rory, Rom, Spieth. So okay. hopefully, that, hopefully that helps somebody. <laughs> Rick, Rick, I don't I don't appreciate you putting in the qualifier after you ask Rick, uh, me and Greg. By the way, <laughs> yeah, I'm considering price too. Right. I think you were. Yeah, fantasy golf show here. Price. Is yeah, I mean, right. I've, yeah, we could. I could have just said Rom. J, uh, DJ Spieth, if I didn't want to. Okay, $9,000 range. Now, here, here to see it to your point, this is like the guys that are normally in the $10,000 range. It's such a stacked, uh, such a such such a stacked event. Justin Thomas, 9,800. Bryson DeChambeau, 96. Victor Hovland, Abraham Anser, and Scotty Scheffler. And the bottom of this $9,000 range is Cantlay, Berger, and Hideki Matsuyama. In fact, Hideki was the only golfer in the $9,000 range. Actually, Hideki was the most expensive golfer who played last week. Missed the cut, but I thought I thought that was noteworthy. Yeah, this is a really, really tough range to handicap. I, I can tell you the, the couple lineups that I've made, I've dipped into this range only for one guy, and then I've I've gone I've gone down. And that one guy that I that I think I like the most, I'll give you three guys here that I like, but there's one guy I like the most, and it's Scotty Shuffler. Mm-hmm. I just think. A, he's got the all-around game, and, and and B, he's got the ability to pop, I think, in all of the metrics, whether it's off the tee, approach, putting in particular, sometimes around the green. Like There are tournaments where he really pops in all of those categories, and obviously he's been putting the entire game together with you know 14th, 8th. He had a 47th finish. I guess that was the Travelers, then 7th, 3rd. So he's finishing top 10, three out of the last five. 
but you can see he can put the entire game together. I mean, look, just a few tournaments ago, he gained eight strokes putting, and then the tournament before that, six strokes on approach. I mean, he's really got it all, I think. And I, I don't want to say he's mispriced because I don't think he is in this field, but I actually think he has a chance to win this tournament. So he's the type of guy I'm looking for in a tournament like this. The other two guys I'll mention Rick real quick are Abraham Anser and Victor Hovland. I think Hovland is sort of off people's radar a little bit. And that's why I think I might want to go back to him in spite of him not really having the all around game lately particularly around the green answer had already been one of the better players in 2021. And then he just adds a victory uh, to the resume as well. His best putting surface is bent grass. He's very accurate off the tee. There's, there's, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about Abraham answer. Certainly. Uh, and now with a, a win on, on the wiki page, things are good in answers world. Greg, when I pass this $9,000 range over to you, how do you assess it? Well, first of all, um, there are some big questions about Justin Thomas and Bryson for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so because of their volatility, um, I, I think you can you can stay away from those guys. Maybe this is a world where you could, in a bizarre world, stay away from the 10K and 11K and start with one of those guys if you want to get super risky. I wouldn't recommend it. So I'm, I'm staying away from the top two guys. Then I love Victor Hovland. Answer, there's so much to like about him. Um, but the guy that stands out to me, aside from the guy Sia mentioned, is Daniel Berger. And I, I just I look at Daniel Berger as another guy who is really well-rounded. And every he gains in every single part of his game. And it yeah. seems to happen, uh, it, it seems to happen through his entire career career when he's playing well and he is right now so he was fifth in memphis he was eighth at the open championship um he was seventh at the u.s open 20th at the charles schwab there's just there's not the bad week for daniel berger the bad week that i skipped was the john deere he came in 34th um so he didn't make enough birdies that week but i i look at berger um as a great driver of the golf ball very accurate um when when he's swinging well which he clearly is i mean look at all the just look at the green across the board. Yeah, this is this is what stands out to me about Berger as well, Greg. He this so what I'm showing right now is the WGC event uh, from a couple from two weeks ago. Berger led the field in strokes gained approach. He gained nearly ten strokes on approach in a WGC field. The number one player that was also part of that fifth place finish. It's it it is pretty special what he continues to do. Yeah, and and that's what this course asks for, which is one of the reasons why Abraham Answer fits in that category. He just won, and that's the reason I'm a little more, I'm a little more hesitant on him, which is probably a mistake. But um, but but Berger and Answer are rock solid through the bag, and I I believe that's what you're going to need this week. And and I think the past leaderboards have shown that that's um, that's a recipe for success out here. Let me make the case for Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, Bryson is a constant off the tee. We know that he is. He just light years ahead of everybody else in terms of uh, of strokes gained. Strokes gained approach in his last six measured events, he's gained strokes in five of them. In his last five measured events, he's gained strokes putting in four of them. The short game, the around the green, continues to be a little bit of an issue. But if he can just be a zero or a minus one, that's that's not all that bad. Then you start to look at uh, putting surfaces. Bent grass is one of his better. And Sia, would you agree with the sentiment that if you were trying to find leverage of the golfers that we've kind of chatted through, through, 
you know, the $9,000 range and above. Uh, Dustin Johnson and, and Bryson, are, are, those your, are those your leverage spots, the guys that are going to be overlooked here? Probably. I'm wondering if Justin Thomas will be as well. But be, Thomas by, is a good one, too. But by, by virtue of Justin Thomas maybe being under the 10K threshold, maybe he, he picks up some ownership. But no, I totally agree. I think Bryson would be of, of that 9,600 and above. I suspect, even though Bryson carries that big name, um, I suspect he's the lowest owned guy. What guy? I got to ask a question here. Where are we going this week? Where? What city is this tournament in or near? Well, it's near New York. It's technically New yeah. Jersey, right? It's, New Jer- it's Jersey City. <laughs> yeah, it's the New York area. The thing that stands out to me about golf in New York is think about Beth Page back in 2002 at the U.S. Open. Stuart Sink said that's when golf, the fans in golf changed at the 2002 U.S. Oh. Open because of New York fans. I worry that Bryson is going to just get it this week as bad as ever. And I hope that's not the case, but this is not the place where that lets up. And if, if he wins this week, it will be the mo- one of the more impressive victories that i've ever seen because i I know he's gonna have to overcome so much they they don't like the the new yorkers don't like that he won at wingfoot they wanted it not to work at wingfoot um he is not going to be a fan favorite and it it's um it makes me sad but i worry about that picking bryson and so i i kind of stay away and it's it's unfair to him because rick you're right you your analysis of his metrics and what he's been doing and the play that he's been showing i think it all speaks to yeah play it but i'm just worried about is he going to lose it before nah, i don't know I don't it is interesting because I think it's a factor this week you're you're right it's if the thing that this is this has traveled with him uh, for a couple of weeks or whatever, and uh, there's really no reason to think it's going to stop in in New York. You're, it's you're, not stopping here. Yeah, you're right about that. Um, see anybody else in this nine thousand dollar range before we bop on down to the eight k range? You know, we talked about Hovland or talk about Answer, talk about Scheffler. Didn't mention Cantlay. Didn't mention Hideki. Anything? Definitely nothing on Hideki. I think maybe I could potentially be convinced on Cantley, but I, I, I'll be honest. I like Berger. I, I loved the argument Greg gave on Berger. So I don't think I could possibly get to Cantley, knowing that I like Answer and Scheffler, a little bit of Hovland, and I'll probably consider Berger. I just don't see how I get to Cantley. Okay. We've got to go down to the $8,000 range and below. Lots of value and better name players than normal weeks. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back. $8,000 range here. Greg, it starts with Webb Simpson and Harris English. It goes all the way down to Joaquin Neiman and Sam Burns. Now, this, this is interesting. There are uh, th- We start to get players with flaws in their game. We start to get guys who you know had, had close calls recently or have even found uh, the winner's circle in their last couple of starts. When you start to assess this $8,000 range, who stands out to you? Oh, man. I mean... Uh, I guess you see some holes, but 
to, you got to go, you got to work your way down pretty far. I mean, these guys are still really They're well-rounded. Good. I mean, Webb Simpson right now is playing some great golf. Um, since the open championship, he has um, racked up a 19th, a 15th, and a seventh, a, a tied seventh. That was one shot out of a playoff. So, you know, Webb is in really good form. And the thing I like about Webb is he led the field in strokes gain approach last week. Correct. Which is the thing that has been holding him back from being that guy last year we talked about at length, how he's one of the best players in the world. So when he is striking it really well with his irons, he's a factor. And and Webb now for the first time has found a rhythm where he's played, this is going to be his third week in a row. And I don't think that's too much where um, he's not fresh. Um, I, I think it's kind of the perfect, the peak uh, the peak performance week is that third week in a row uh, oftentimes. And so I, I really like the direction Webb's going in. I really like the, I feel like I'm just saying that everybody's a good play, but Webb is definitely one of my tops because of what he did last week. Um, uh, because of what he did approaching the green last week, Harris English is another guy and he fits the Daniel Berger mode Correct. Um, where he's just well-rounded. And that's what I like at this venue. Um, so Berger is a guy uh, obviously Rom and, and Spieth are up there too. Spieth maybe a little bit less off the tee, but th- these are the players that are really solid all the way through the bag. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes you're looking for a little more volatility. This is a week where I'm looking for the level player all the way throughout the bag. And Harris English definitely, definitely fits that mold. Um, I, I feel like uh, Corey Connors is another guy that catches my attention here. But looking at some of his putting statistics, they've kind of they slipped not, a little bit. You're not supposed to look at those with Corey Connors. <laughs> <laughs> well, for yeah, a while, they were really good. Earlier in the year, it was much improved. And um, I feel like that's on the way down. So I'm a little more hesitant on Corey Connors. But I promise you this. I'm not going to make any uh, grains of regulation predictions on Corey Connors this week. Thank you. I think he was, uh, I think he was belly up on what was it? 68, 60, whatever it was. I'm pretty sure after Thursday, it was not mathematically possible. Um, well, hey. yeah, it, it was still possible after Thursday, <laughs> but, um, early on Friday that went out the window. Corey Connors uh, continues to be great off the tee. Continues to be great on approach. It's the rest of his game that, and that has not uh, that has not changed for years. Um, I am certainly in on Webb. Greg mentioned the fact that he led the field in strokes gained approach last week. Not only that, he led in ball striking, which is approach plus off the tee. So it's just kind of like one step further to show uh, how great he was last week, and that's a really good sign for Webb. Uh, Sia, this is a range that includes maybe Adam Scott, who finished uh, a runner up last week. Week, actually had a chance to take down the Wyndham Championship. It includes our uh, our champion the last time we were at Liberty National in Patrick Reed. What what do you see from this range? First of all, I agree with Webb Simpson. I, I love the trajectory, the course that he is on, no pun intended. A guy I really like that I think has a lot of value is Paul Casey at 8,700. I mean, he's a tee to green god, essentially. I mean, I, I, I know that sounds like hyperbolic, but he's He's really good. I mean, I think he's second in this field, last 36 T to green, and he's got the all around game uh, at this price. It seems like a really, really good value. So obviously I, I want to monitor his ownership. I don't think it's going to be too high, but I think people will be on him. But I, I just think Casey's is a great play. So I like Webb. I like Casey. The guy that I'm 
I'm wondering if either of you two like him because I'm kind of, I could go either way, but I think his price point is also very good when you consider his upside. And that's Joaquin Neiman at 8,100. You know, his short game can kind of fail him a little, a little bit, especially around the green. But other than that, I, I really feel like he's playing pretty well. And I think he's the type of guy that has just enough upside to be there Sunday afternoon um, if things if things go right. So um, I I have a hard time getting a read on Joaquin Neiman. Uh, and so he's a great player. I, I, I love what he does, and I understand that. And I, I wouldn't talk you away from it. Um, but I do like Sam Burns a little bit more, personally. Um, I, the thing I like about Sam Burns is one, he played so well. Uh, he, he played so well in Memphis, which I think is a big confidence boost when you do that in a world golf championship, if you can do it in a WGC, you can do it in a playoff event. Um, and, and you know that you're not just, you're, you're not relegated to playing well in a, in an event like the Valspar where some of the big names aren't there. You can do it when everybody's playing. And I think Sam Burns believes that now. Uh, his iron play this year has been spectacular. 18th on tour for the year approaching the green. And it's a rare combination of a guy who is great with his irons and also a really good putter. And that's uh, he's 14th on tour strokes game putting. So um, I would lean a little more towards Sam Burns than Joaquin Neiman. Maybe that's recency bias. They do have similar profiles, um, but but I, I feel like um, like Sam Burns is riding hot right now. To speak to that combination, the rare combination of being a good iron player and being a good putter, Sam Burns is the only player in this field, and I presume the only player on tour, but while I have it up, who gains this season at least a half a stroke on approach and at least a half a stroke on the putting surfaces. There is there is nobody else uh, in this field that can that can tout the same accomplishment. It yeah. is it is a very very rare combination of things and that you see. That leads to um, being fifth in birdie average. Correct. You're going to make those are the two. Usually, when you look at guys who make a lot of birdies, they're great putters um, or great iron players, and it probably leans more towards iron players than, um, than because birdies. because they don't have to be great in both on every single hole one hole you hit it to eight feet and that's a 50 50 proposition the other one you hit it to 20 but you roll more of those in than your peers yeah. it's just it's a really really solid combination uh greg's exactly right in terms of birdie making it's very very rare yeah the rest of this eight thousand dollar range um tony finau i think has just fallen off everyone's radar sia and i don't know if it's as bad as even I allude to. I mean, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of top 30 finishes, but it's nothing, it's nothing overly spectacular. The price continues to fall. Or, or is there is there a situation where investing in Finau is good this week? Or I mean, if we wait a little bit longer, this price might continue to drop. Like, what's what's our feel for Finau? Our feel is if you're firing a single bullet into 150 max, go ahead and put Tony Finau on that team because he's a great price. He'll allow you to do a couple things. And he obviously has upside, no matter how bad, poorly he's been playing lately. He has upside. So I'm not going to have him in, in my, you know, I, I always refer to three maxes and in, in, in single entries. He'll, he'll be nowhere near those. Uh, he just hasn't shown me really anything lately uh, in terms of being elite. But yeah, in, in a big tournament, go ahead and take a shot. To fire a shot with Tony Finau, no problem. The I'd take a shot on him. Ooh. Absolutely. I mean, look at uh, – sorry to interrupt, Rick. But if you look at what he's done this year, he still has seven top tens on the year. And he is gaining 
in every this includes putting for the year he's gaining in every single strokes gain category um i i feel like tony i don't think there's anything broken with tony finau right now we know he struggles with the putter from time to time but he is a well-rounded player who um is due for a good week he's not my favorite play again i prefer sam burns in that range, but I would definitely take a chance on Tony Fino and I wouldn't feel any shame about it. All right, let's take a chance on some guys in the $7,000 range. Our most recent winner on the PGA tour, Kevin Kisner leads this off at $7,900 with Matt Fitzpatrick at the same price. And then as you normally do on DraftKings, this is the big old tier. There's a bunch of guys here. The flat $7,000 price tag belongs to Cam Davis, Charlie Hoffman, Gary Woolens, and one, Seamus Power at a flat $7,000. Sia, what are you grabbing out of this large range? Well, first of all, congratulations to Greg, because if you recall in this same range last week, I think it was this range, Greg went off on the Kevins. All the Kevins. The Kevins. It might have been eight. I think it was the eight Ks. Oh, maybe it was. So my apologies there. But uh, you were right on literally all of them. Uh, if you recall, yeah, that, was I, so, that was really fun. <laughs> I, I was only on one of them. I think uh, I would think it was the Streelman of the uh, the Kevin family. And uh, no, that was great. Kevin Na, Kevin Kisner, obviously, and Kevin Streelman really not only carried their price, but uh, and then some. So props to Greg on that one. So I'm going to skip with with all of that Kevin Kisner talk. I'm going to skip right over him. <laughs> okay. And I'll tell you, Jay, and you might not be surprised here. I think he's going to be popular, and I, I bring him up a lot. Jason Kokrak is a guy uh, I like quite a bit. Obviously, coming off a missed cut. And, yeah. And do you I'm, think he's going to be popular? Yeah, because I think with this price and and the way he can kind of rack up the birdies, and in spite of not being that great lately, his all around game is there. I do think he's a he's a good all around player. Um, it's you know the last couple hasn't looked that great, but I think Kokrak, especially a guy who's won a couple times this year, um, I think the potential and the upside is there. So I mean, I, maybe I, you're I, right. Looking no, at these I, stats, maybe I, you're right. And I don't know if he's going to be popular or not. And I don't disagree with you for the most part um, because, yeah, he's, I mean, he's won twice. It's a great price, all that good stuff. I worry a little bit that his putter is coming back to earth because he was, I mean, that was the thing that unlocked a lot of his success this year. It's mm -hmm. like, wow, Jason Kokrak took this huge leap because the putter kind of unlocked a lot of that. And he's, it's, it's, it's gotten progressively worse in his last, you know, four or five starts i that's all i worry about it's a very easy thing he might be able to get back to it especially with with how good the rest of his game is but i do wonder come thursday morning uh what the public is going to end up doing with him i think that's i think he's one of the most fascinating guys in this range yeah it's a good question and it's it's one of those things where i think if you're afraid to play him in dfs i think he's good for like a top 20 or maybe even an outright bet or something if you wanted to get frisky with it so i i like i I'm okay with hedging it on that end of things, but I can tell you I'm going to be riding the upside here, and I think Jason Kokrak has plenty of that. Um, a few other guys I like here in this range. First of all, I'll, I'll go right to the bottom, and then maybe we can kick it over to Greg. There's a couple of guys I'm kind of you know thinking about, but but I'm, I'm not sure I'm in love with. But at the bottom end of the range, listen, I like Seamus Power again. I think Seamus Power is a good price. I don't think he's going to win this tournament. I don't think he's capable of doing that, but I do think he's a good play. And the other guy I want to mention, you know, it's funny because I believe Greg said at the front of the show, hey, I want people who are fresh. And there's a guy that's $7,000 that is very fresh. He hasn't played a lot lately. He's an excellent ball striker. Any model you looked at one or two months ago, yes, there he is. His name is, I was going to say, he's, he's going to be, he was going to be number one or number two with like Keegan Bradley and any model you looked at, you know, four or eight weeks ago. 
And I just think Charlie Hoffman is the, has the type of pedigree to compete in this field, and he's a great price, and he's a great ball striker. He has the all-around game most of the time. Obviously, around the green is a bit of a problem for him. But I think, it's, I think the price is right for him. The thing with Charlie Hoffman, uh, I, and I agree with you. So I think there's a, I think there's a pretty fine line of like, have they played? Haven't they played? Because I also have some guys that are very fresh that I could that I could mention that I do worry about. But uh, you're right. Any model you would have ro- uh, run a couple of weeks ago, um, Charlie Hoffman's name would have been would have been near the top. The guys that I'm keeping an eye on, Cameron Tregali, another guy who's very fresh. We haven't seen him since the 3M Open. He's been kind of a top 25, top 30 type machine. I'm not even afraid to go to someone like Indian Poulter, who's now piling up really good finishes again. Last time we saw him at Liberty National, he finished 10th. He's coming off a 10th at the WGC. This stage is not too big for him. Some of these guys, Greg, that, um, you know, I, I don't know what Poulter's current FedEx Cup points are i'm not sure he cares but some of these guys who have work to do and we saw this last week like there's gonna be big movements in this range and there's gonna be big movements from those golfers well with ian poulter um i I even put the fedex cup aside right he's he's gunning for the Ryder cup team and i think he's pretty much secured a spot but he doesn't want to put any doubt at all in um in his teammates mind in captain powder carrington's mind and in his own mind so i rick we're in lockstep here because ian poulter's a guy that i had i had him circled i had cameron tringale circled nice. and, and i would also go right back to but cameron tringale is just so well rounded he um he's another one of those guys who's 39th approaching the green he's 18th in putting and that leads to he's 23rd in birdie average um, and and before his little break, he came out and played really well. Maybe it's too much rest. You could argue that. Um, but I really like Cameron Tringale. Uh, and then I'd go right back to the well with Kevin Streelman. Um, he tied seventh last week. Beautiful play um, at the Open Championship, tied 19th. So he's got a couple of good starts in a row. And he's another guy um, who's been really, really good off the tee with his irons. Um you know, he's 19th in greens regulation. He's 29th strokes gain approach the green 36 T to green for the year, which is a good sign. Um, and he's clearly confident right now. And that may override the weakness in putting, but again, gaining for the year across the board. So I, I do like Streelman again this week. How much Sia do you care about the one year at Liberty national? Because there's a lot of guys in this range uh, who, who, who missed the cut, who didn't play all that well at, at Liberty national. You might have some people who are like, well, you know, I like, I like Bubba Watson, you know, he's been striking it well recently, but I look at 2019 and I see that he missed the cut. Do, do we care at all? Not really. I mean, if they, if I think they're a good course fit, then I don't really care. If I, if I don't think they're the best course fit and I'm trying to jam them in there. And then I realize that their, their course history isn't good. Then I'm probably just going to keep them off my list. So it's not something I've, been really looking at too much and by the way real quick rick i rick uh, excuse me cameron tringale is is one of the guys i was thinking of as well Mm. so uh, like i'm glad you guys supported that i did want to ask and i I hate to derail us a little bit but uh matt fitzpatrick at 7900 is that on is he on either of your radars because he seems like an interesting price point interesting i kind of scrolled right through him i'm not sure if i even considered him this week um i don't know let's see what he's been up to He's been very average. By the way, the fact that Matt Fitzpatrick has now gained strokes off the tee in every single event of 2021 is one of like the more amazing things that I'd never would have thought 
could have happened, but yeah. that's kind of where we're at. Because um, he, he hit, only hits it 293. Yeah, but you got to hit, hit a lot of fairways that way, though, Greg. I know, but that's hard to do. You don't see guys gain that consistently that don't hit it that distance. Yeah, so it's impressive. It's impressive. What do you think about this? The rest of his, the rest of his stat profile to me looks like what I would call whack-a-mole. Some weeks it's the putter, some weeks it's the approach, some weeks it's the short game. I mean, it's it's not great. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but I I I don't know if I see anything predictive in this. Yeah, I would agree with you. I kind of feel very um uh bored with this pick <laughs> <laughs> well that's a, i mean Matt Fitzpatrick I, 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 is always going to be a boring pick for the record. no i don't think so i think there are weeks where there's a compelling argument for and i don't mean matt fitzpatrick is a boring it, that's nothing against him it just he doesn't move me anywhere he's a great putter um but that's again like when rick uses the whack-a-mole term um if you're a great putter and you have consistent play you're probably going to have a little whack-a-mole because there are going to be weeks where the putter lets you down um so that would be a you know a, um it's not a concern but it, it doesn't move that's not a thing that propels me over the edge because the the iron play is kind of hit or miss i i, I kind of like better iron players this week um i like putters too i do um i don't know i'm just i'm bored with it i'm sorry well, hopefully we can uh, find someone a little more exciting in the $6,000 range. See, and this is the range that uh, normally I'd be like, man, it's ugly. Things really fall off a cliff. We have a guy who won two starts ago in the $6,000 range. We have legitimate, really good golfers on the PGA Tour that are usually value plays that are really, really value plays because now they're in the $6,000 range. Yeah, I think there's plenty to choose from here. I mean, really plenty. Again, you have to you have to look at it with a different lens because it's so stacked towards the top. But I definitely think there's guys here that can compete. Um, let's see. Let's start with Charles Schwartzel, uh, everybody's least favorite guy right now, right? My because God, yeah. Including including mine, by the way, because I was on him last week as well. I know some of the guys from the first cut were on him. I know uh, Mark was talking him up a, a bit yeah. on. Um, the Wednesday or, or Wednesday show, I believe it was. So listen, I, again, the, the the fantasy community is is a little sophisticated now. I think people will be going back to Charles to some degree. Not not to say he's going to be popular by any stretch, but listen, if if we liked the game last week because of how well he was ball striking it and, and, and things of that nature, the all around game, there's no reason to just hate it all of a sudden because of one bad Wyndham Championship. If you take the Wyndham away, and we learned, by the way, we learned last week very well that guys like Siwoo Kim or Kevin Kisner, who were absolutely abhorrent of previous the week before, suddenly were contending the week later. Remember, we had that conversation about let's see what what bears fruit, the recent history or the course history. And those course history guys really bore fruit. And, and, and so obviously we don't really have the course history here. But the, the point really here is that you can go ahead and throw out you know, a recent bad tournament. It's it's really not a big deal. So I think I'm willing to play Charles Swartzel. A couple other guys I'll just mention. Luke List has been really he's been playing really well especially if you reduce the sample size to like let's say the last 12 rounds as opposed to the last 36 now <laughs> the last the last yeah, two the rounds last four. <laughs> yeah the last one round um but even honestly even if you look at it like a little bit more macro like last 36 he still grades out you know pretty well but i just really like how he's playing and then of course at 6300 
not going to belabor the point. He also missed the cut last week. His name is Hammer and Hank Leviota. And, and mm. again, is he going to contend on Sunday? No, probably not. But at 6,300, if you're doing stars and scrubs, I think he's a candidate. Yeah, the thing with the thing with Hank is, um, you know, the first start back, he was on a roll playing every single week. First start back off of a little bit of a, of a layoff. Uh, Bermuda last week, right? Weren't we on Bermuda last week? Mm-hmm. He's, yes. hor- he's horrible on Bermuda. It, it, it was kind of a tough place to to come back to. Um, I also, you know, I see guys like Mav McNeely, who's $6,900 and, and, and piling up top 30 finishes, top 20 finishes. I think we need to continue to take Roger Sloan very seriously. You know, Greg, this yes. is what you have talked about in the past as well, is what's a golfer's finish line? Have have they gotten to the finish line? And the answer for Roger Sloan is most certainly not. He was in that playoff uh, last week. He had a close call. Uh, he actually was, I think, one of one of two guys putting for birdie on the first playoff hole or something like that. Yeah, he was. And, he had a great yeah. shot in there. And he's he's been just trending in this direction, and he is certainly not going to feel like it was mission accomplished last week at the Wyndham. And, and I think we have to continue to take him seriously. So those are a couple that, that stood out to me at the top of the $6,000 range. Who's standing out to you, Greg? Um, Roger Sloan was a guy I'm, I'm very curious about because I made comments earlier about uh, liking guys that are fresh. Mm. And so again, where's the finish line? So he played, um, uh, July 18th at the Barbasol came and tied 31st. That was kind of the start to, he also played the John Deere, I guess the week before that. Um, and he played the rocket mortgage the week before that and the travelers the week before that. So he has played yeah. one, two three, four, five, six, seven <laughs> weeks in a row. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of, I, when I first looked at it, I thought it was four in a row. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> the John Deere was the week before that. The rock. That's, uh, that's a lot of golf. So I, I think there was a big push for him to get into the playoffs. And I love watching this this golf swing is beautiful. I, I was so pleased with his play last week. I'm worried that he has reached the finish line mm. um, just because of that many weeks in a row. He's gotten into the playoffs. He now sits at 92nd. It's a big jump to get to the BMW. And I don't know if that's really where I want to put my eggs. Um, I, I like a guy like Taylor Gooch in this range. Who, okay. To see his point, he missed the cut last week. He shot 68-71. Is that a sign of poor play? I don't think so. You look before that at the Open Championship. Um, by the way, it's a good thing that that was his uh, start before that. He was tied 33rd. Um, again, very steady in his play. Travelers Championship tied 36. The Memorial tied 18th. The Charles Schwab tied 14th. Again, now the Charles Schwab, I, I only named five events there, and the Charles Schwab was in May. So this is a guy who is fresh. He hasn't played a lot, but he's but he played last week, and I think that bodes very well for him. He gains in every area except off the tee. Um, so he's 36th approaching the green. He's 68th put in. It's not lights out like a um, like a Cameron Tringale or um, or or Sam Burns, but it's pretty good. And the short game is pretty good too. 50th in strokes gain around the green. So he definitely has my interest. And then another guy who um, I wonder he, he kind of hurt me a little bit last week. I wonder where he is. Patton Kazire. I just I don't know if I want to go back to the well on him because um, he disappointed me last week. The last guy I'll mention uh, for now is Carlos Ortiz, um, who played really well at the Olympics, obviously, um, for the first two days, right? It, it, the, 
the first three days, really, he shot 78 on he shot 78 on Sunday. Then at, in Memphis, he shot two. He shot 64, 69. Was right there in the mix, and then 73, 72 over the weekend. I, I think that um, Carlos Ortiz is a guy who is rounding into form. He's starting to feel really confident about his game, and in Tokyo, he was overcome by the moment uh, with that Sunday round. And then I believe in Memphis, he got tired over the weekend from the travel. Um, so th that would be my concern with Carlos Ortiz. I think that explains those rounds, but I do think he's rounding into form. He's another guy who gains in every strokes gain category um, for the year, which I, I think is a huge benefit. So I'm, I'm interested in him, but Gooch is my favorite in this range. I have breaking news, and I don't know if you guys want to hear it or not. Oh, no. What if I told you that there is a golfer that we talked about that set a course record at a club yesterday that had stood since 1977? Would you want to know that, or does that not matter? It's a, it's, I don't know if it's public or private, but it's not. It's not like a... Yeah, I'd like to know. See ya. Do you want to know? Well, so he set a course record at, at this course yesterday. Is that what you're saying? No, no, not at the court, not at Liberty National, at a separate course uh, in the area. Oh, uh, I guess I do want to know. Yeah, sure. All right. So via Daniel Rappaport of Golf Digest, he just tweeted out that uh, yesterday at Garden City Golf Club in Garden City, New York, an 11 under 62 was shot by Matt Fitzpatrick yes. to, to break the, the course record that stood since 1977. He's hot, baby. Let's go. Now <laughs> so we're bored. talking. So now we're talking. He is, <laughs> he's ready to pop. I know that that's exciting. That gives you a little bit of something to look at, something to discuss, something to dive into. I don't think it means anything. I think it means everything, <laughs> everything, capitalized, bold-faced, and italicized. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, he just made 11 birdies. I thought he was going to make – he made 11 birdies. Not not an eagle on the card. This guy stinks. Uh, <laughs> 11 birdies, bogey-free, of course, 62, a par 73. Also very interesting. 62. Uh, I believe that's a Walter Tra – is that a Walter Travis? I don't know. Did it stay on there? I don't, oh, I don't know. No, it doesn't say you were looking at it right no, now. I, I have the score. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I just have like a, a, a shot of the scorecard. I will say this. He hit uh, every single fairway on the front and missed. No, I missed four on the back. Yeah. This is a famous, it's a very, very um, well known and respect, well-respected golf club. Garden, Garden City. City. So just say, there you have it. Patrick. Uh, yes, but is. I think there's a Garden City men's club and a Garden City golf club, but they may, I, I may be. They're, I may they're be. one in the same now. They're okay. That's all yes. right. So that's what I thought. So this is the, it's the one it's extremely well known. Yes. Um, extremely well respected. Yes. Uh, opens in 1899. It is a private course yes. and it was ranked 26th uh, overall in the list of top 100 golf courses uh, uh, in golf magazines, 2013 year. Yeah. It's, um, it, it's up there and it's one, it just adds to the list of great golf courses on long Island. Wow. There you go. So what did you say? Walter Travis, is that what you said? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the one. Oh, very interesting. Okay, uh, back to our regularly scheduled uh, ba- bargain barrel diving here in the six thousand dollar range. Uh, so if you scroll, if you go scroll further down, see ya, you know you get two guys that are like Denny McCarthy, who finished fifteenth last week, Andrew Putnam, who finished second two starts ago, Brandon Hagee, who's played well recently, and that's like the near mint. Cheston Hadley, who shot the round of his life and finished fifteenth last week, is sixty one hundred dollars. Harry Higgs had a great finish last week. Finished, uh, he he's he's sixty one hundred dollars. Tyler McCumber finished fifteenth last week. He's min price. I mean, this is this is not your normal bargain bin here. It isn't. And I'm, there's a couple guys I'm a little curious about. We, I mean, first of all, I haven't really been playing Doug Gim because he can't putt, but I do think he is bent positive. So there's something to be said for that if you're going to be priced that low. Bent positive? That's like a great band name. Like a golfer <laughs> slash band name. Bent yeah, well, positive. He is. <laughs> wow. So there, there's something to be said for that, I suppose. But uh, also Henrik Norlander is interesting only because we I liked him last week and he was yeah. WD. So I don't know. Do we know what the WD was for? No, I, I could search. But uh, he caught my attention too because I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, people were really interested in him and he didn't play. And I and people treat that weird. I don't know how people treat that. So I thought he was I thought he was interesting too from that perspective. I'm sure we'll get information on that as the week goes. Anybody else here? Greg in the low $6,000 range that you would be able to or feel comfortable kind of pairing with some of those big boys at the top. Yeah, I I think there's a realistic play, um, a a realistic case to be made for Lonto Griffin. Um, He you're going to look at this and see that he missed his last two cuts and it's going to turn a lot of people off, but he missed the cut at the Wyndham shooting 71 68 and the 3M shooting 72 69. Now, my my philosophy on Lonto Griffin in general, um, it goes a little bit beyond your flow chart, Rick, um, which would need to why, why why go further than that? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, but Lonto seems to play well on harder golf courses. When when he gets to those birdie fest venues, um, it, it tends to be a struggle. So I look at okay at the at the Open Championship, tied thirty third um, at the Wells Fargo tied 26 these are some of his um these are some of his better starts not that they're his only ones but the arnold palmer invitational tied 21st uh wgc at the concession tied 22nd the farmers tied seventh so when i look at lonto i think on tougher golf courses he does well and i don't think this is going to be a complete birdie fest um i I don't think it's going to be a u.s open breaking out here but but i do think there's a um, the CJ Cups, another example at Shadow Creek, tied seventh hmm. way back in October. But this is the kind of golf course where I think Lonto Griffin can have great success. Interesting. Ooh, I certainly don't need any extra arm twisting to get a Lonto Griffin in in my it's lineup. Yes, he does. he does. He's very, very cheap this week. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen. Um, I think that'll do it. Anything else before we kick it on out of here? Well, I, I would just like to congratulate uh, Matt Fitzpatrick on winning the Northern Trust 2021. <laughs> it's basically over at this point. I, yeah, mean, I mean, 11 yeah. under, uh, that speaks volumes. It's done. Pretty it's, good. Shut it down. Uh, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Thank you, producer Jacob. That's Sia Najad. You can find him on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme, who you can find at the real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. And we'll catch you next time.